Driven mofos, I wanted to mention something that means a lot to me. When I was younger, everyone doubted me, and their doubts became my doubts. Their fears festered inside my mind, and I hated myself, as I knew I could do so much more in life. I just didn't know where to start, and failure would reinforce what a loser I already believed I was. If it wasn't for listening to audios just like this, which I spent tens of thousands of dollars on, I would have probably ended it all. I know that there are so many people out there who feel this way and are holding themselves back from greatness. So if I could ask just one favor today, it would be that you share this podcast with just one person, as it may make all the difference and start them on a new path. You are not going to start a business with a business plan. Your business plan is, I need to make money. The most driven people in the world want to build great empires and leave a great legacy. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is my attempt at documenting the lessons I'm learning on my way to building a $100 million empire that helps people perform better in life and business. My hope is that you use these lessons to live a kick-ass life while building your own empire and leaving a powerful legacy. I hope you share and enjoy. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Let's talk about systems and does your life and does your business need more systems and more process? Well, a lot of people, when they think about organization or they have chaos in their life, they want to go straight to structuring more or they want to go straight to organizing things more effectively. And although organization and structure does help in some circumstances, in others, it can massively hinder your growth. And so I want to talk this morning about these stages of growth and when you need to have more structure and when you need to have less. So I want to first start talking about business. So in a startup business, things are pretty chaotic and things are moving fast. So let's say you're starting a new business. Let's say it's a trade-based business or we can even use an e-commerce business or whatever you want. What will normally happen is the first stage is trying to develop your skill sets within the first thing that you're trying to sell. So if you're a plumber and you're going out on your own, hopefully you've done your trade, hopefully you're well-skilled enough before you go out and you try to start your own business. Now, there are definitely some people out there who have done their four-year apprenticeship, but have never really pushed hard to become highly, highly skilled and highly, highly competent. I also believe that this is the reason why 56% of businesses fail in the first four years And also the reason why in most industries, 80%, maybe even 90% of people who do a job are shit at it. If you think about doctors, doctors are highly competent people. They've done seven years of training, but there are a lot of doctors out there who are really, really shit at their job, probably because they lack other skills that complement the skills that they learn while they're at university or that they learn doing their internship or whatever you want to call it. Now, the same thing can happen in any area of life, whether it's a mechanic, there are a lot of shit mechanics out there. There are a lot of shit people in marketing. There are a lot of shit people who are in management. There are a lot of shit people in leadership. There are just a lot of shit people everywhere. And it's normally because they're not developing the competencies that they need to be highly skilled at something. And so that's the first step. You've got to be highly skilled at something. Now, I made this mistake when I was younger. I had started coaching and I just started my coaching business. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go for it. And so I started doing coaching. But at the same time, I was a highly skilled personal trainer. I'd worked in the industry for seven years. I was putting in you know, 50 plus hours per week, studying consistently, learning, going to courses, going to workshops. And back in those days, the personal training industry wasn't like it is today. Today, it's a lot more professional than it was back then. It was very, very hard to find highly competent people that you could learn off of. So I had to travel around and I moved from gym to gym. So I went from working at one place where I worked for someone who was a great mentor of mine. I had two mentors at that gym. One ended up leaving and going into state. And I worked at the gym that I was at for a couple more years, 
found that I was the top dog there, knew the most, and so I left and ended up working for another large chain where I was able to go and learn off of other people who were more skilled and more competent because I was working for a global firm and they would bring in different experts that we could learn off of. So every month I would pay money and I would go and learn off these other experts until eventually I ended up leaving there and I went and worked at a medical center because I wanted to learn off of doctors and physiotherapists and podiatrists and other people who were highly skilled and highly competent in the area of helping people. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people. I still want to help people. It's just these days it's a lot more performance-based. So I think that if I can help someone to perform better or to achieve more or to really be driven and to push themselves to get the best out of themselves, I think that that's the best thing for mental health. Like these days I see so many people out there talking about empathy, talking about, you know, we should just accept people, we should all hug each other. But no one ever got their ass kicked in life from a hug. When we wake up every day and you've got goals and dreams, your brain is kicking your ass to go after them. And if you're not pushing hard to try and kick the ass of your own mindset, of your own body that wants to be lazy and wants to be complacent, if you're not pushing yourself, life will do it for you. Life will stand behind you and kick the shit out of you. And so I believe part of the mental health issue, especially for men, men more than anybody, females are the same as well, a lot of them out there. But I think in males, it's more prevalent where... Men want to get out and want to achieve. They want to do stuff. There's something within them that wants to be highly competent and highly skilled. And if they're not able to go out and express that part of themselves, they can become easily depressed, you know, feel down. You know, I've seen guys before that I've worked with over the years who are absolutely suicidal because they've been stuck for so long and don't know how to get out of their stuckness that death is their easiest option because it gets rid of the pain. So I think the best thing that I can do is help people to achieve and perform and go after it and stay hungry. And yeah, you're going to get your ass kicked by life, but it's better than getting your ass kicked by your own mindset and by the choices that you make. That's probably the most destructive thing that will happen to you is if you keep making shitty choices and allow comfort, allow simplicity, allow shortcuts to take hold of your brain, I think that you're just going to end up mentally fucked up like a lot of people in our society now that are just chasing comfort or chasing ease. You know, these days I hear all this shit about like, I want to work really, really hard and I want to earn, you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year because I think that's fair. But I also want lifestyle balance. I don't want to work weekends. You know, I want to knock off at five o'clock. I want to work till nine. I want to start work at nine o'clock. You know, I'd like to take Friday afternoons off. No shit, that's never going to happen. Like not if you want to be a highly competent individual, that is not going to happen. You're going to eventually get your ass kicked. Now, at the moment, based on our unemployment rate, that's a fair and reasonable ask because we've been in such a great economy, especially in Australia. You know, we haven't had a recession since the 90s, a proper solid recession. That means unemployment rates have been quite low. There's been a lot of money in the economy. If that starts flipping, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be forced out of a job and are going to not be able to pay their bills and not going to be able to pay their family or support their family. That's going to shake up a lot of people. And what will happen is just like the froth of a beer, the froth will always float back to the top and they're the highly competent people. The highly competent people will always be at the top. And all that happens is the shit always sinks to the bottom. And if you're someone who's not competent and not putting in the effort, not putting in the energy, that shit is always going to sink to the bottom. And that's what's going to happen in a recession or in an economic downturn. The shit's just going to sink to the bottom. Like right now, supposedly we have a housing crisis. If that's true or not, I don't fucking know because the media always make up a lot of bullshit and it's probably not as bad as what the media make it out to be. But I also know that it is quite tough. Why? Because there's been a lot of money in the economy. And so therefore, families who used to live together with a lot of people within those families are now going out. They're separating. So if you have a look at a lot of people who move from overseas, they might live with multiple families in the same home. When the economy is quite strong and they're all employed and they're all getting jobs, then they're going to go out on their own and get houses and stuff like this. Now, that's just one example. There are multiple other reasons why that's happening. I'm not an expert in that field by any means. 
but that is one of the reasons, right? So when the economy's hot, the economy's hot. And so everyone looks good in a hot economy. My point is that competence is super important. And so you want to be highly skilled and highly competent. When you start your business, you want to be highly skilled and highly competent. But then once you get into the business, you need to then be super adaptable. And by being super adaptable, you then start to realize that you have a lot of incompetencies. So you might be a highly competent plumber. You might be a highly competent hairdresser. You might be a highly competent personal trainer. But you now realize you're shit at marketing. You're shit at video editing. You're shit at social media. You are shit at sales. You are shit at leadership and management if you start hiring staff. You are shit with processes and ops. You might be shit at money management. You start realizing that you're highly shit at most things. So then what happens is you've got to set good, clear goals now at Business Growth Odyssey, which is the year-long business growth course that I run for business owners that are scaling or that want to scale. What we'll do is we set OKRs, which are almost like a 90-day plan. What you want to do is you want to set that 90-day plan and know what area you need to really focus on in order to grow that competency. So let's say your cash flow is short at the moment. You might have to focus on sales, especially if you're generating a lot of leads or you're getting a lot of referrals. You might have to focus on sales. You might also have to increase your prices, which then means you need to get better at selling because as prices go up, people that are easy sales are normally price sensitive. So for instance, if someone says this product is $100 and someone else comes along and says that product's $80, most people buy the $80 product when they look the same and they sound the same. So most people who aren't good at sales go into price competition. The problem with price competition is it cuts your margins down, you end up not making good profit, and eventually you'll get beaten because someone else will come along and do it for $75, and then someone else will come along and do it at 70 So the reason why people price compete in most cases is because normally they're shit at sales and they're shit at marketing. If you're good at marketing and you can create a good value proposition and the customer understands why your product and your service is different, and then you're able to communicate it effectively in the sales process, you sell better. And because of that, you can now increase your prices. So the better you get at sales and marketing, you now can put that price up to $150 while your competitors are selling it at $79. And some people go, oh, that's bullshit. I can't do that in my industry. Really? I'm sure Ferrari, Enzo Ferrari thought exactly the same thing. He went, I'm going to build a car and I'm going to sell it because I'm competing with Ford. I'm competing with Chevrolet. I'm competing with Chrysler. I'm competing with Mercedes. No, he went out and built the best thing that he possibly could and went, I'm going to make this exclusive to the people who want this sort of stuff. That's what he did. And every industry has those types of people. And they're the people that the industry normally complains about because they go, oh, they're paying more. They're, you know, people are overpaying, they're overcharging. Motherfucker, they're better at sales. They're better at marketing. Just be honest with yourself. You're shit at sales and you're shit at marketing. That's all it really comes down to. So if you're getting your ass kicked, it's because you're incompetent in that area and you need to build that competency. And unless you're prepared to admit that you're incompetent, then now you're stuck. So when you start your business and you start growing, you need to learn lots of things really, 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 really quickly. I've been saying this for years, but most business owners don't understand. And every week I speak to business owners out there who say, I want to grow my business. And I go, come and join one of the courses that we do, like Business Growth Odyssey or something like that. And they'll go, oh, yeah, nah, it sounds expensive. Uh, and then they complain about shit. They're the same people who complain about their customers being price sensitive. And they go, oh, people just want the cheapest shit. No, motherfucker, you want the cheapest shit because you're a tight ass. You buy the way you sell. And when you sell for price, you will buy with price. And so you're always trying to take shortcuts. Although you'll probably go out there and blow cash on something really, really expensive when you're impulsive. But the things that are really going to help you in life that you really need, you probably will be price sensitive to. That's how most people buy. I see that consistently from small business owners. And that's the reason why they will always be struggling to get ahead. Now, yeah, they might make okay money, but they'll never make great money and they'll never be top of their field in business. They might in their work. And again, you can hear these people complain about it. You get a really good plumber that starts a business and they'll go, oh, those customers are going to, 
these other businesses and their shit and they can't do as good a job as what I do. And they get all funny about it. But the thing is, they're kicking your ass somehow. How are they doing it? If it's not their skill set, then what is it, right? They're competent in other areas that you're incompetent. The faster you admit that, the faster you can learn things. But when you're a small business, you have to learn a lot of stuff really, really quickly, which is why in our Business Growth Odyssey course, I teach lots of different areas. You've got to master people. You've got to master management leadership, and you've got to know when to put in the right processes, which I'm going to get to in a minute. Then you've also got to learn good quality communication skills. You've got to learn especially mental and emotional control, because if you're stressed out, that impacts your decision-making skills. It also impacts the way you deal with people. It impacts how you're frustrated. You might be great at work, and you might deal with customers great, and then you get home, you lash out at your partner because you've been passive-aggressive at work. You're very passive, and you let people get away with shit, and then you get home, and you snap at those that you love. That's not fair on them because it's got nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with the way you handle yourself at work. So you've got to learn how to control yourself mentally and emotionally. That's stuff that you need to work on. Most business owners run scared shitless of that. When you say you've got to work on yourself, they're like, I don't need to work on myself. It's the fucking world that needs to work on themselves. It's the world that's shit. It's customers that are the problem. It's staff that's the problem. And then when a staff member comes to them and says, hey, this thing broke and I didn't do it. And the boss turns around and goes, or the owner turns around and goes, my staff don't take responsibility and accountability. Once again, I'm like, motherfucker, have you listened to yourself? Do you listen to the shit that comes out of your mouth? Oh, well, I don't need to work on my mindset. Listen to how much you complain about shit. Like, come on, man. You know, if you're a victim and you're complaining about your staff being victim or customers acting like victims as though they get taken advantage of and people don't take responsibility, they're a direct reflection of you most of the time. So you've got to start taking responsibility for that part of yourself. You have to grow and you have to learn yourself because you have to be highly adaptable. I was listening to a podcast this morning and they said you can't change that which you do not take notice of or that you do not take ownership of. So if you're not taking ownership of your own mindset as a business owner, don't be surprised if you've got people who work for you who don't take ownership of their own. If you don't take ownership of your mistakes and your problems, then your staff won't either. And a lot of business owners go, well, yeah, I do that too. But that's just an absolute lack of awareness because anything that's going on in your business will be a direct reflection of what you let people get away with, your boundaries, your poor communication. I just see it quite a lot. Now, there are great business owners out there. And for some of you who are listening, who have done some of my courses, who I communicate with regularly, I massively commend you because it takes a huge amount of effort to look in the mirror and go, I'm not where I want to be and I'm probably at fault. So therefore, I need to grow in those areas. Most people cannot do that, which is the reason why they're stuck. You know, I hear people all the time. Last week, I had a business owner. His business is dog shit. I'm on the phone to him, talking to him, and he's telling me about all of his problems. And I go, cool, this is what I recommend. Oh, look, you know, I'm not too sure, you know, and then they just go around in circles and they loop. And every time I solved a problem for them, they were like, oh, you know, yeah, I still don't know, but it's not really that, it's this. And they were just so confused in their own mind. It's because they lack that self-awareness of what's going on inside their own head. And so they just loop over and over and over again. That will keep happening until they get in massive pain. So as a human behavior principle, most people don't change because they're inspired to change. They change because they're in crisis. So if you don't change and grow because you're inspired to grow and change, you will grow and change because you're in crisis. And most people only do shit when they're in crisis. Then when they're out of crisis, they stop growing, they stop changing, they just get stuck there. Once again, they're in crisis. So as a business owner, you have to consistently look at yourself in the mirror and realize that the business is a direct reflection of you. And then work on yourself, work on your mindset. I was listening to a podcast from the owner of Gymshark who just recently got on the billionaires list. Now, Gymshark is a gym clothing brand. If you don't know, the owner of that business, Ben, he's now become a billionaire under the age of 30. 
Now, I was listening to a podcast that he did, which was really cool. And he's a really self-aware guy. And he said, when I was younger, I just wasn't self-aware enough. But once I started realizing that everything around me was me, then I could take control of that stuff. And he said, it's really quite hard when you realize how much control you have over your business and your life, but you don't know that when everything's out of control and you're not controlling yourself. That's super important. The other thing is that as your business grows and scales, you've got to start learning things like finance. Now, finance is different areas. So you've got financial growth, which takes a certain type of skill set. Then you've got financial management, which is a certain type of skill set. Financial management, you've got to be more structured and process driven. And you tend to be more, I guess, in a way fearful. Then when you've got financial growth, you've got to have more courage because when you're going out there and you're pushing new frontiers and you're pushing into new markets, you've just got to back yourself and go for it. There's a lot of uncertainties, but you're certain that you'll figure it out. So people who want financial growth normally have a different personality and a different skill set than financial managers. The problem is, and, and I see this once again, this is a massive mistake for business owners. They want to grow their business, yet they listen to their accountant all the time. And their accountant is normally a manager. Now, I'm not saying that accountants, there aren't accountants out there who can help with financial growth. But when you're managing something, you've already got it. So in order for me to manage my food, it's because I've already got food. If I've got to go out there and I'm starving and I need to go find food, that's a different type of personality. You've got to go out there and hunt. So there's a difference between a hunter mentality for growing a business and going out there and getting sales and being hungry and pushing into those new frontiers and being courageous versus someone who looks at numbers and goes, oh, I wouldn't do that if I was you. It's going to take too much cash out of here and I wouldn't do that. Now, I fucked up our business years ago because I started listening to financial managers when we were growing. And so then I started making decisions based on fear because they're going, well, what happens if this goes out and then that doesn't come back in? And so I became scared of making money. There are a lot of people out there who are really great financial managers, but managing $10 is not the same as going out there and making $100,000 or making a million or making 10 million. To get out there and to go from making $100,000 a year to making a million dollars a year, you've got to push new frontiers. You've got to close sales. You've got to get out there. You've got to do marketing. You've got to push into a marketplace and flare your shoulders out and make space for yourself. That's not someone who just sits there and looks passively at numbers and goes, oh, well, this money's already come in, therefore we can use it for these things. The money's already there. My point is, is that money management and financial structure is completely different than financial growth. And most people don't know the difference between those two. And so a lot of business owners can stall their business because they take on a financial advisor or they take on an accountant or they take on a bookkeeper and the bookkeeper then starts looking at all the numbers and goes, oh, we're short in cash flow here. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Or we got tax coming up. I wouldn't worry, you know, be careful of this. And so you start playing safe instead of just going out there and just smashing through walls and pushing yourself super hard to grow. Now, do you need to manage your finances or do you need to understand them? Yeah. Do you though need to grow? Yes, because anything that's not growing is dying. And if you're not growing your business, someone else is taking market share. So you need to get out there and flare your arms out and just push yourself into a space and have the courage to do that. These are things that you also need to be aware of as you grow. Driven mofos, I'm guessing that you found out about this podcast because someone shared it with you, posted it on their Insta stories, tweeted it or something like that. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and getting a heap of value from it, just like those who shared it with you. As you know, I don't run any paid ads or sponsorship on this podcast, as it's my goal to get good information out to the world for free. The only thing that I'd ask from you is that you continue to pay it forward by sharing this episode and letting others know about what we do in this podcast so that we can keep growing this amazing community of driven mofos. So please keep the good karma rolling and share this episode with someone or just share it on your socials. Now let's get back to structure. When's the right time to structure things? Well, 
In startup, you need to create your product to market fit, number one. That's the first thing. Do customers want what I'm selling? There are people out there who create something like they'll create something for, let's say it's a device that allows parents to check out the toxins within their water, the water purity. Now, if that product is $20,000, most people won't buy it. So it may be a great product and you may be passionate about it and you may be all enthusiastic and you may love it, but will people buy it? And the answer is probably not, unless you're going for a very exclusive market and it depends on what your margins are and all those types of things. So there are plenty of people out there who have passion projects that they can't sell. They can't sell the product or they can't sell the service because no one really wants it. You have to go into a market that wants the product and the service. So you've got to go out there and find what products do people want, where are the margins, and all of these things. I was talking to somebody only a couple of weeks ago who is part of our Business Growth Odyssey program, and they work in the trade-based industry. And they said, you know, this is what we're advertising for. And their messaging was different on different platforms. And I said, why do you do that? And they said, well, you know, we sort of do, they're in the plumbing industry. And they said, well, you know, we sort of do drain blocking. We also fit new water heaters. We can do taps, like we can fix leaking taps, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, what one has the best profit margin? And so we looked through all of his numbers and we found out which ones had the best profit margin, but also which ones could people do the most in a day and like what could his staff do the most in a day? So what was going to generate the most amount of revenue? The thing was only on one social media platform was he promoting that heavily. The rest of them he wasn't. And even on his website, he wasn't promoting that service. That wasn't front and center. Now, if you're, let's say a plumber, you can do pipe work, you can do gas fittings, you can do hot water services, you can do new taps, you can install the bath, you know, you can do showers, you know, renovations. There's so much you can do, but that doesn't mean that that's what you should do. You need to brand yourself in a way to be the expert in that area, especially at first, because you don't want to diversify and cut yourself too thin. Now, as a business grows bigger, you can diversify. But at first, you just want to find your sweet spot and go after it. And so, you know, like for me personally, in one-on-one coaching, I found that my sweet spot was working with people that are business owners who have good turnover, who want to do one-on-one. You know, I had a client last week who just rang me up and said, hey, I want to work with you one-on-one interstate, flew over here, worked with him for two days, pays well, but at the same time, he gets amazing results. So this person spent a lot of money doing personal development, personal growth, business courses, came down and worked for me with two days and said, holy shit, I've got all this clarity now. Now I feel like I can push really, really hard again and go really, really hard. You know, he said, I've felt lost for a fair while now and have just felt uncertain and unsure and have doubted myself. And that's just because he lacked that clarity. That's my sweet spot. Now, there have been plenty of coaches who try to enter that space, but I'll kick the shit out of him in most cases in helping those types of clientele. Number one, because I am that type of clientele as well, but also as well, like I've just developed a skill set in coaching that most people don't have. And that's been from working with people for 20 plus years and spending well over a million dollars on study and traveling around the world working with people. I know that I'll get better results. So you need to find what your niche gap is. And it doesn't always have to be highest price point. It can be cheaper, but you just need to do more of it. So if you do a lot of products or you do a lot of services within a day, like for instance, if you've got a plumbing business and your staff can do 20 of something in a day with smaller profit margins, that actually might be more profitable for the business than doing one big job per week. So you just need to look at those things. And then you've got to add in drive costs and a whole bunch of other things, but you need to look at those. So first things, Product to market fit. So do you need systems right there when you're testing things? Fuck no. If you're putting systems in before you've tested things, you are going to create a massive bottleneck and stall the growth of your business. And I see business owners do this all the time. You know, when someone comes to me and says, I want to start a business, I've been working on my business plan. I'm like, just use your business plan as toilet paper. Because unless you are highly competent as an operations person, you are not going to start a business with a business plan. Your business plan is 
I need to make money. So I'm going to get out there and I'm going to market and I'm going to sell and I'm going to market and sell and market and sell until I've got product to market fit. Then from there, you can maybe create a little bit of a business plan, but that business plan could be done on a serviette or a piece of paper in three minutes at a cafe. If you've got this elaborate plan, it's either because you're doing one of two things. One, you're shit and you don't know what you're doing, or some assholes convinced you that you should do a business plan when the truth is you probably shouldn't. And the person who probably convinced you has either built a large business before or they're an operations type person. And ops people love systems and processes, hence why they teach you to do it. Very rarely does someone build a business, a good business off of a business plan. They just start. Then from there, as your business starts growing, then you can start to figure out what systems you can put in. But you should only be putting in systems that already work. So if you've got a really good sales process and you've been doing sales and smashing the phones and you know what works for your customers, then you start writing scripts or you start putting in scripts with the rest of your team. If you don't know what you're doing, creating a script and then hitting the phones with a script It may work, it may not work. You're better off learning the basics of communication and learning basic script function and basic script flow before you write a proper script and give it to everybody else because it'll still your business growth. So first things first, we wanna get product to market fit. Then after that, you need to start hiring people in your business that are super adaptable. Now that means that they need to be across multiple different areas. So you wanna hire someone who is highly competent and can back themselves to figure shit out really, really quickly. That's a highly skilled individual. If you've got a plumbing business, you need to hire plumbers then. But if you've got someone that you're hiring to do administration or management or leadership, they've got to be someone who can get their hands dirty and jump across multiple roles. So my number two in our organization is Jess. Jess has been the most effective, most productive worker or person in this business we've ever had. So Jess is obviously my wife, but she's just super adaptable. This week, we've been building lead funnels. Now, she will get in and she'll start building all these lead funnels on things like click funnels. And then the next second, she's syncing the CRM. And if she doesn't know something, she's watching YouTube videos, she's trying to figure it all out, and she'll just jump from one thing to the next. Then tomorrow, she's doing financial management. And so she'll be putting together all the finance numbers and the data and talking with the bookkeeper. Then she'll jump across into a different area. You need someone like that, and you also need to be like that as your business grows. You know, when a business owner says, well, I just want to be the CEO and I just want to delegate shit, there's only one way you can do that, and that is when you have enough cash. If you don't have enough cash, then you need to focus on sales and marketing and getting shit done and getting your next customer and building revenue and making sure that people are doing the job that you're paying them to do. That's about it. As the business starts to scale, it's still very chaotic. If you start putting in systems too early, you're going to stall that growth. So you need to start to figure out, right, what systems do we need as a bare minimum? So it might be that when the guys or girls come to work in the morning, they need to know that their vans are full of whatever they need to take out on the work site. So you might create a little basic system around that and do a basic training with them. That's about it. You might have a toolbox meeting once a week and that's about it. If you build this big elaborate system, most of it won't work. It just won't work because you haven't tested it. You don't know what works until you know what works. So you've got to test stuff. You've got to play around with it. You've got to be super adaptable to build a business, especially a startup. This is why some people are really good in startup environments and some people shit. I've hired managers before who are really competent managers, but they come into a startup small scale business and they just can't operate. I remember having a manager years ago. We're paying them well. They came into the business and they're like, okay, so what we should do is we should probably send out you know, a bunch of questionnaires to our customers and we can put together a bit of a game plan and I sort of need to have a look at what we've got going on at the moment and you know, I should be able to build something, you know, I should be able to build a good process and a good structure in like three to six months. And I'm like, you've got a week, hurry up, we've got to go. Because you can't have people sitting around thinking, you've got to have people just fucking doing shit until you figure out what works, that's startup. 
you need to be thinking, but you need to be thinking and doing as well, which is why startup is so crazy. It takes a certain type of individual who is not only competent, but super adaptable to build a startup business. And it's quite fun. It's quite exhilarating, but you run off of adrenaline a lot. Now, as that business starts to scale, you need to start to slow down a little bit, and then you need to think more and do a little bit less. But now you start to build processes. So let's say now you've got a financial manager, or you might have a bookkeeper. That bookkeeper needs to have a bit of a system, a bit of a process, and you need to understand that. So you might help them build it out, or you might hire someone to come into your business and build out that part of the process or the system because it's replicatable, it happens every week, and so you can start to build that process out a little bit. But over time, it'll break, there'll be things that don't go well, so you'll have to adapt it to build it to your business structure. Then, for instance, you might have good lead generation. So you can start building a bit of a structure around that, and then you can hire people and put them in to manage that. So you might start to hire someone who is just an overview marketing person, which means they need to do a little bit of social, a little bit of YouTube, a little bit of maybe some SEO, and they just need to bounce around and do heaps of different shit. For a certain type of individual, that's great because they don't get pigeonholed into one skill set. And there are plenty of people out there who love that. Now, in a large business where you're just running Facebook ads all day, that might bore the shit out of that type of personality. But if you hire someone, and we've made this mistake before, where you hire someone and they go, oh, I want to be a social media manager, or I want to be a marketing manager, and I want to manage all the marketing, they want to come in and instead of getting their hands dirty, they want to sit there and look at the numbers and the data and put together all the data sets and, and sort of delegate the responsibility of getting the hands dirty. Those people are shit in a smaller business. They just don't work out well, not unless you've got good cash flow. They work really, really well in a big business, not a small business. So a small business marketing manager means that they're getting dirty every day. They're posting stuff, they're writing stuff, they're doing a bit of sales copy, they're hopping in and building a funnel. And so they're jumping around between lots of different skills and they love that. As the business scales though, you'll find that that person may not grow with the business because when you start to hire people like a social media marketer or a Facebook ads person who just does Facebook ads all day. You have someone who else is a graphic designer. You have someone else who's a copywriter. They might start to wig out because they can't do a lot of stuff. Maybe they've just got to manage those stuff. And so they're not going to want to get their hands dirty. They might not be adaptable. So they'll leave. Then you end up hiring that type of marketing manager who can come in, who just tells people what to do, but doesn't really get their hands dirty. They just look at the numbers, look at the data, think through stuff, and they delegate everything. So you just need to think about the size of the business, the scale of the business that you're at, and then hire staff who work well in that environment. Because a startup is erratic, it's very fast paced, shit has to get done yesterday. As a leader, you're quite erratic as well. You have flyby communication where you just go, hey, I need this done and I need it done now, hurry up. And so staff need to love working in that environment. If you hire people from a larger organization, they will fucking hate that. Because in a larger organization, you essentially get a meeting request and there's a nice, beautiful agenda attached and it's all got timeframes on it. Someone runs the meeting. Everything goes on time. Everyone talks about stuff. You can have a two-hour meeting. Then from there, you can go back and you can do a bit of other work and you can think about it. And then a week later, you come back and you talk about it again. And then you just restructure some things. You then put together a bit of a game plan. Then you have a meeting again. Then you get to execute the game plan and it just takes ages. In a larger organization, it might take six to 12 months to create a full marketing strategy for that business. In a startup business, you need that done today by the end of the day. In a moderate growing business, that might take a couple of weeks to do. So you need to be able to hire people who can work in those environments and you need to be able to work in those environments and adapt and grow as you grow. If you can't adapt and grow as the business owner, you're screwed. So people who come from large organizations who go into startup businesses, 
who like to do things slow and methodical, they're fucked. They're going to drown in like the first month. They're going to run out of money eventually. I've seen people do this where they've got $100,000 in savings. They go and they create their perfect business plan. They come in and they slowly, methodically start to execute things. Then they realize that things don't work and they keep doing it at this speed. And over time, they just run out of cash and then they end up getting a job. Really bad idea. Startup is crazy, super crazy. Okay, you just got to get shit done. So people who work quite erratically are good in startup. But then the problem that I see, because we get a lot of these people who come to our Business Growth Odyssey event, is that they are erratic startup business owner. They just are super adaptable. But as the business starts to scale, they start putting team members in, but their communication is poor because they're adaptable. They just go, well, I said this, you should be able to just quickly get it done. It should be done in like three minutes. When the other person's got to sit there, they've got to think about it. Then what they need to do is they need to clarify and confirm it with you because your communication was shit in the first place. And then from there, they can start to execute it, but they need a little bit of a game plan. They need to think through it more effectively. And so it's going to take a little bit more time than probably what you think. And so for startup owners, as they start to scale, things take longer than what they think. Okay, It takes longer to do sales. It takes a little bit longer to do marketing. And that's just because there is more communication. There's more things that are going to probably go wrong. And as your business grows, the bigger the teams, the more things are going to go wrong. And that's why eventually, if you're a CEO of a large organization, your job is to sit there all day. You don't even get your hands dirty, you just sit there all day. And this is also why larger businesses have people that are in lower scale jobs who criticize the high level people because they go, that asshole would never come down and get their hands dirty. Well, they don't need to because their job is to overview everything and to think through things and to find out where things are going to fuck up and to break away bottlenecks and to communicate that with management team and then get them to implement plans and then you know, do all of that sort of stuff. So it takes way, 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 way longer. In large organizations, you'll hear that complaint. You know, it takes ages for anything to happen here. Well, that's because that's a large scale business. In a small business, completely different. So when it comes to how you structure your business and the systems and processes you need, it depends on the scale. Don't get caught in the idea that your small business needs a lot of process and a lot of systems because I guarantee it will stall or slow down growth. There are some systems that you need and some processes, but every process and every system should lead to greater efficiency and greater effectiveness, not slow things down. Every time I've seen businesses that don't know what they're doing or business owners that don't know what they're doing and they start putting in a lot of systems, you'll watch it, it'll slow growth. It'll just stall everything. So be really, really careful. The only reason why a process should go in is because it makes things easier. I've hired operations people before who have come into our business and even some of the managers that we've had, they will come in and they'll start putting in systems. And I'm like, how come that thing used to take us an hour? Now it takes four. Why? Oh, well, they've got to tick this off and they've got to cross that. And then they've got to read this and then they've got to approve that. And then it's got to come through to me. And then I've got to sign off on it. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. That is not how shit works, right? Systems and processes are made to make things more simple, right? I don't want my staff going out to do a job. For example, if we go out and we're going to run an event, what I want is that back in the day, we would sit around and we'd go, oh shit, did we pack texters, right? Michael uses these texters to draw shit on the flip charts. Do we have them? Oh crap, we don't have a blue pen. Hey, we better order. Oh crap, they're not available. It's going to take three weeks to order one of those. Oh shit, now we're not going to have them for the event. All right, do we have batteries for the mic? And so they've got to sit there and they use all this brain power. So that takes them a whole day to do that. Now we have a checklist. That checklist gets done after the event and it gets done when we're about to run an event, the week before the event, where they go through and they go, right, is there a blue texter? Is there a red texter? Is there a black texter? Do we have a flip chart? And so now they're doing everything faster and more effectively. That's because the system and the process works. 
right? It should speed things up, not slow things down. And then after the event, they go back through and they go, okay, when I put the red texture, the blue texture and the black texture away, do we need to reorder these? Is there a spare one available? If there's not a spare one because Michael used it, we order a new spare. So all of those things are there on the checklist so that we don't have to think about it. And I don't wake up in the middle of the night, three weeks later going, oh shit, did I order batteries? Did I not order it? Fuck, I don't know. Did It's all there. So systems and processes should speed things up, not slow things down. When people have to do check boxes, tick boxes, cross things off, cross reference, go to management, come back, that just slows everything down. That tells you that the system is shit. The ultimate systems makes things speed up and become more effective. So that's really the key to a good quality system. And at every stage of business growth, those systems will need to be changed. They'll need to be adapted. You know, when I hear people that are like, I'm going to put in all these systems so that business flows and works better as we scale, not true. What will happen is you'll get to a stage and it won't work anymore. That's why if you go to Amazon right now, they're still improving their systems. They have a whole operations team. If Jeff Bezos could sit there in his garage and build a system that grew from 1 million to 10 to 100 to a billion dollars, he would keep that same system. The truth is it doesn't. They keep breaking and you've got to rebuild them again. My point is you have to figure out where you need to put systems and processes in. They should speed things up, not slow things down. And at a startup business, it's probably not the right time to build systems and processes unless you know what already works. Then you build it and you put someone else in to run that system. So if I'm good at marketing, I want to put in a marketing system so I can hire someone who can do the marketing. If I'm not good at marketing and I'm getting someone else to come in and do the marketing for me, I want them to build the system so that then I can hire someone else who can follow that system. But the key question is, does it speed things up or slow things down? Does it make everybody more effective and efficient? Or does it just create more chaos and carnage? Because that's a shit system. Anyway, I hope this helps River Mofos. Thanks for all of those out there who have been rating and reviewing this podcast. We're almost up to 100 reviews on Spotify. So a massive thank you to all of those who have been clicking the little star button on whatever app you're listening to it on. I've noticed that we've gone up quite a lot as well on the Apple Podcast app. So if you're listening on any of the podcast apps and you've listened to more than four or five episodes, you can click the star rating and give us a star rating. It makes us get out to more people and I really do appreciate it. Thanks for being part of this awesome community. Stay driven, driven mofos. And I look forward to joining me back here once again for another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. (laughs) 